Today's scripture lesson comes from Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is in the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hello, hello, good morning. I have a book for us this morning. It's called The Giving Tree. You might have read this story before or had it read to you, but I want to read it to all of us this morning. Uh, so, this is the story of The Giving Tree for Nikki. <laughs> Once there was a tree, and she loved a little boy. And every day the boy would come, and he would gather her leaves and make them into crowns and play king of the forest. He would climb up her trunk and swing from her branches and eat apples. And they would play hide and go seek. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. And the boy loved the tree very much. And the tree was happy. But time went by. I don't think this tree can walk. Maybe one day, though. And the boy grew older. And the tree was often alone. Then one day, the boy came to the tree. And the tree said, Boy, come and climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and eat apples and play in my shade and be happy. I am too big to climb and play, said the boy. I want to buy things and have fun. I want some money. Can you give me some money? I'm sorry, said the tree. But I have no money. I have only leaves and apples. Take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city. Then you will have money, and you will be happy. And the boy climbed up the tree and gathered the, her apples and carried them away. And the tree was happy. 
But the boy stayed away for a long time, and the tree was sad. And then one day the boy came back, and the tree shook with joy. And she said, Come, boy, come up my trunk and swing from my branches and be happy. I'm too busy to climb trees, said the boy. I'm not sure. I want a house to keep me warm, he said. I want a wife and I want children, and so I need a house. Can you give me a house? I have no house, said the tree. The forest is my house. But you may cut off my branches and build a house. Then you will be happy. And so the boy cut off the branches and carried them away to build his house. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and when he came back, the tree was so happy she could hardly speak. Come, boy, she whispered, come and play. I am too old and sad to play, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me far away from here. Can you give me a boat? Cut down my trunk and make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. And so the boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away. And the tree was happy, but not really. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I am sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the boy. My branches are gone, said the tree. You, can't, you cannot swing on them. I am too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. I am too tired to climb, said the boy. I am sorry, sighed the tree. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I am just an old stump. I am sorry. I don't need very much now, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I am very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down, sit down and rest. And the boy did. And the tree was happy. The end. As a pastor, I am particularly susceptible to the expression, practice what you preach. Like, it's part of the job description. Uh, you see, if you think about it, my job, while preaching at least, is to try and convince people to live their lives differently than they might be living it. A very odd uh, job to have, because most people don't like to be told to live their lives differently. Uh, and it also isn't very effective if I don't live out the lessons that I'm talking about myself. Uh, this is kind of like the whole reason why a lot of people stay away from the church, because you know the people there are preaching one thing but doing a different thing. Preachers themselves, myself included. Uh, I've also found this to be uh, kind of true as a counselor. Whenever I'm, uh, I'm talking with a client and you know telling them, hey, this would be a great way for you to uh, you know, adapt your lifestyle so that you know you can deal with these kind of things better. I was uh, recently having a conversation with another counselor about how we 
talk to our clients about the best way to deal with stress, but we don't actually take our own advice and we're often stressed ourselves. Then uh, yesterday, I was at uh, mine and Kristen's non-blood-related nephew's birthday party and uh, was confronted with the ironic realization that we teach our kids lessons that we ourselves hardly follow. Be kind to one another. You know, mind your manners, things like that. We could use a little bit more of kindness and minding your manners these days. <laughs> ah. It's interesting how often we are prone to live by the whole do as I say and not as I do mindset. One way I've uh, really seen this lately is by reading bedtime stories to our uh, niece and nephew. And these stories often have very important life lessons. Some of them are just about the alphabet and that's fun too. But some of them have very important life lessons uh, that are embedded in them, and we want our kids to learn these lessons from a young age, but we often brush off these lessons as being too childish. So during the month of August, we're going to be exploring the powerful lessons in children's stories and what God might be trying to teach us through them. And today we begin by, with the giving tree Published in 1964, still a, a fan favorite, hanging around. The Giving Tree has many different interpretations for it. Uh, one is the relationship between a mother and her child. The mother's unconditional love constantly giving to the child and the child doesn't really grasp what's going on and is still just focused on themselves. Uh, another interpretation has been uh, the relationship between humanity and the environment, how humanity is constantly taking uh, from the world around us that we have been called by God to be stewards of. And another interpretation, one that we'll be leaning on today, is the relationship between us and God, the love of God and our response to that love. And so we look at the way that God cares for us and the way that we take advantage of that care without a whole lot of love in return. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, our scripture lesson for today, is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, one of the most profound moments of teaching in human history. Uh, lessons from it have echoed across thousands of years and uh, remain important parts of all cultures, even non-Christian cultures. In this section, this one in particular, Jesus is telling people what would be more beneficial for them to set their minds on. He sees the human condition of anxiety present in the people around him and, yes, Anxiety has been around a lot longer since just the pandemic of uh, 2020. Uh, and this anxiety that comes from people ruminating or thinking constantly over, well, needless things. And as he starts talking about these needless things, we might think, I think those are pretty necessary. I think I should worry about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink. I mean, that's... You know, not only has, uh, you know, the latest magazine that I've been reading about diet culture told me about that, but also, you know, I, I like to eat things, and I'm going to plan out my next meal. Kristen got me a Taco Bell gift card for my birthday, and I've already planned when I'm going to be using that. <laughs> 
And he also talks about, you know, the things that we're going to wear. I don't know if you're the kind of person uh, who picks out your outfit, uh, you know, the day before or days before uh, you actually wear it. Uh, Kristen, my wife, w was in the practice of at the beginning of each week, she would hang up every single outfit she was going to wear throughout the week. I'm the kind of person, I have a, uh, a place in our closet where the clothes that I've worn but aren't quite dirty enough yet to go in the laundry hamper sit, and I siphon through those clothes and decide what to wear about 10 minutes before I need to be out the door. So <laughs> I guess I'm not too prone to that. Um, but Jesus is talking about the things that we are anxious about, the things that we spend too much time thinking about. And I imagine that, you know, being the son of the all-knowing God, embodying God himself, uh, that Jesus probably knew the quote from American author Jody Picoult, who said, anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. Never considered that? I have to tell a lot of my, as a counselor, I have to tell a lot of my clients, like, you do realize that the things that you're worrying about and the things that you're anxious about, you're not actually doing anything for those things, just thinking about them all the time. And Jesus confronts this mass of people with the same concept. Stop worrying about these things. They're needless things. Wait, food, clothing, I feel like those aren't quite needless things. But you see, Jesus... He wants his disciples to go somewhere, to get somewhere, to take action, to experience transformation. And if you're just rocking in the same place all day long, you're not likely to get very far, as it were. And so he asked them to set their minds on something different, something different than just what they're worried about all the time. He gives us this new challenge to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But to seek first, he asked them to change their mindset about what they actually need in their lives, about what's actually beneficial for them to focus on, about what matters. He wants this to be our new focus because it matters. He wants this to be our new focus because this is what God is working to accomplish in the world. And God knows our needs. God knows our wants. Can we say the same about God? This is where we get into the relationship between us and God. God is a God of unconditional love, much like the giving tree. God is self-sacrificial, much like the giving tree. The two display what we call in Greek agape love, unconditional self-sacrificial love. And we, we are like the boy. We want to be near God, the tree, when it suits us or when we need things. But we might not realize how we are taking advantage of God when God wants only one thing, love. The tree, every time the boy is near, wants only one thing, to spend time with the boy, to love on the boy. And the tree loves loving on the boy. God loves to love us. But we often 
misinterpret that to think of God as our genie who will grant our wishes. If only we're good enough, if only we're faithful enough, if only we say the right prayer or do the right thing, maybe God will grant our request. Because we remember verses like Philippians 4.19 that says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 11 says, If then you who are evil whoa, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Again in Matthew 21, 22, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Oh, and one more for Matthew. I guess Matthew's really on this thread. Chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. We believe God will provide in the way that we expect God to provide because we are only seeking things for us, things that we think are good, things that we think will satisfy or bring meaning in our lives. But let us not forget passages like James chapter 4, verse 3, in which James lets the people know, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Interesting verse that James throws out there. One of the reasons why he's uh, one of my favorites. He's very practical in the way he approaches things. You ask and do not receive. We were just told you know, throughout Matthew and a couple of other places, ask and you will receive. Uh, James says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Growing up, you've heard me talk about this before, but growing up, I used to pray fervently every night, God, give me superpowers. Well, here I stand before you without any superpowers. And I could not figure out why. Was I just not faithful enough? Was I just not doing the right things? Was I not saying the prayer right? Maybe I needed to burn some incense. Maybe I needed the Pope to throw a little uh, holy water on me or something. Like, what was going on? Why was I not getting superpowers? Because Matthew clearly says, ask and you will receive. I had to go a little bit further into the New Testament for James to let me see. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly simply to spend it on your passions. In other words, the God who provides, the giving God, is trying to give the world things that we might not recognize the world needs. Looking back across my life, I can guarantee you the world did not need Micah Wright with superpowers. Be devastating. <laughs> Especially whenever I was really young and wanting them. What the world does need is the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. God loves to love us, much like the tree loves to love the boy. Unfortunately, we, like the boy, are too focused on what we want to see what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. If we were to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, we might see how God's kingdom is characterized by love and how God's righteousness is defined by love. That what God wants for us is that love. And yet, we would rather ask for the things that I want. 
And we look back across the life of this uh, boy. We get to see his life in various chunks. At the beginning of his life, it's pure, innocent. The boy and the tree just spend time together. Uh, for uh, those of you, I, you know, I obviously can't speak to this personally because I don't have children, uh, but from a psychological perspective, and those of you who have had children probably have noticed this, when kids are young, their favorite thing to do is whatever you're doing. Kids love to spend time with you. And now, sure, this isn't like a completely exclusive statement. It's a bit generalized, but that's like what kids do. They want to uh, do things like you do things. Uh, there's this old country song that's, uh, I've been watching you, Dad, ain't that cool, uh, a song from a couple of years ago. Yeah, kids want to spend time with us, to learn from us, to grow with us, to love on us. And that's as simple as it gets. But as they got, get older, as we got older, yeah, we start to turn our attention to other things. The next thing the boy asks for is, I want money. I want to go and have fun. Don't we all? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if only that Mega Millions jackpot, $1.2 billion, came a little bit further south, huh? And he comes back wanting more because the money wasn't enough. The fun wasn't enough. It wasn't what was satisfactory. And so he asks for a house because he wants a wife and kids, then apparently having a house is a prerequisite to that. I didn't know that whenever I got married. But he believes that, and so the tree gives him branches for a house, and he goes and builds a house, and you know what? He ends up coming back still unsatisfied. And this time he wants a boat. And not just any boat, but a boat to get him away from this place. It's too much heartbreak, too much sadness, because, yeah, when we start turning our things to material things, harken back to last week's sermon, we get a little bit disappointed in life. And so he wants a boat to go away. And he gets it from the tree, but he comes back once more sad, tired, looking for a place to rest. And finally, the story is complete as the two can just simply spend time together. And that's all the tree wanted from the very beginning. And that's all God wanted from the very beginning. That we just spend time together. That we experience the love of God and in return love God back. And love the people of God as God loves us. Oh, what a beautiful thought. God loves to love us. If only we could return the same, to spend time together, to experience the unconditional, self-sacrificial love of God. And if we seek love from the God who loves unconditionally, how much love might we find? Ask, and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, which is love, and God's righteousness, which is love, and all these things will be given to you as well. I bring the giving tree before us this morning because I think it can be a beautiful metaphor for the love of God, unconditional and self-sacrificial, the love that asks but one thing in return, love. And with the lesson that we can glean from the giving tree today, let it also be our challenge for today. Consider that the only want worth having is love. Because the money wasn't satisfactory to the boy. Nor was the house, nor was the boat, but it was the companionship at the end. Time spent together. Love. Perhaps that lesson for us is a little bit more simplicity in our lives, a little less busyness, a little less things, a little less asking, and a little more quality time. Let us pray.